Hey there, party people. We are two queers coming at you from opposite coasts of the United States, uh, here to talk about all things film and television with a queer lens. I'm Jesse, and I'm here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we're talking about the movie Bros. Um, Bros is a rom-com directed by Nicholas Stroller from a screenplay he co-wrote with Billy Eichner, who also stars and executive produces. Um, so, Brianna, you saw Bros. I did. <laughs> the theater. It was great. Um, I absolutely loved it. I don't know what my expectations were, but based on the trailers, I was like, this looks like something I'm going to enjoy. And that statement is a grossly understated opinion of what actually happened. I was laughing the entire time. I had like awe moments. It was, I feel like they hit it out of the park. I loved it. (laughs) What about you? Uh, well, that's great to hear. I also loved it. I thought it was hilarious. This is exactly my brand of comedy. Um, yeah, I actually saw it in the theater as well and left longer than everyone else to the point where I had to kind of like stifle myself a little, right? As to like make sure everyone else could hear the next line. Um, oh, you were that yeah. person. Oh, but I like, I have a pretty quiet I can, I can quiet it after a minute. There were a couple, you know, bursts mm-hmm. of laughter, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm right there with you. I absolutely love this movie. I thought it was hysterical, not like hundred percent perfect flawless, but like very enjoyable. And I'm very happy it exists. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I typically am someone who's like, oh, that's so funny. When funny things happen, it takes a lot to make me actually like laugh out loud. And this movie had me laughing out loud, like every five minutes or less. Yes, absolutely. It also does a pretty good job, I think, hitting those more dramatic emotional beats. Um, You know, there were moments I felt, you know, teared up a little and other emotions as well. So it wasn't just comedy one-liners, you know, oversaturating or anything like that. Um, We should issue a spoiler alert for bros. If you haven't seen it, we are going to talk about the things that happened in the movie. So if you haven't seen it, you don't want spoilers. Now's your time to dip. Um, This movie is being marketed as... Okay, so it's being pitched as the first okay. uh, big gay studio rom-com. So what it actually is, is the first gay rom-com with a theatrical release, right? Because mm-hmm. we did this earlier this year. Uh, you know, Hulu may not be considered a major studio, but it's still a fairly major studio. And they released Fire Island earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So um, also they, a hilarious movie. They also released Single All the Way last Christmas which arguably is a phenomenal rom-com, albeit one that is themed off of Christmas, but it also stars, what's his face, the super attractive um, Luke McFarlane, who is in this movie as well. So not the first one, but yes, none of those movies had a theatrical release. I guess let's talk about our leads since you mentioned Luke McFarlane. Mm -hmm. Did you find that Billy Eichner and Luke McFarlane had good chemistry in this movie? Um, before I get into that, I just really want to hit this home. How attractive I find Luke McFarlane. (laughs) Like I just, he's so hot. Um, I feel like it's sometimes there was some chemistry. Uh, and then other times I was like, oh, this is some bad acting. Like I'm, (laughs) I'm really having to go with you on the fact that you like, like each other. Um, I'm glad you picked up on that too. Cause I yeah. definitely had a couple moments too, where I was like, Oh, okay. Put your acting face away. <laughs> yeah. Especially like specifically Luke McFarlane, like, or yes. McFar- is it McFarlane or McFarlane? 
I think it's McFarlane. Okay, that's he's not going to listen. He's cool. not going to listen. You never know. This is our <laughs> debut episode, and it right. could be huge. No, but I have seen him in other movies, and he has done a really good job acting. And so I was a little bit caught off guard when sometimes I feel like he did not fully put himself into the role uh, and kind of just like phoned in a couple scenes. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but in some ways, this also kind of tracks. Um, if you look at his IMBD page, it's like 90% holiday Hallmark movies, right? Mm-hmm. Which the movie does a great job uh, <laughs> kind of calling yes, that out, right? What do they call Hallmark in this movie? Like, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, but they, was... had to, they had to rename it slightly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't remember what it's called, but it's it's a clear Hallmark shout oh, out yes. without getting in trouble for calling it out as Hallmark. So. Oh, yes. Yeah, wonderful, wonderful stuff. I agree. So talking about the script and the writing a little bit, um, obviously we, you know, it relates to the comedy that we enjoyed, but how'd mm-hmm. you find that? Pretty good? Pretty good stuff? Yeah, yeah. I feel like they wound up striking a really good balance between quippy one-liners, which mm-hmm. I was just very nostalgic for because as our listeners will get to know, my friendship with Jesse is essentially based on funny one-liners that are genuinely super sarcastic. So I, while I'm not great at executing sarcasm, was very at home in this movie with all these one-liners. I don't think they went overboard with it though, because sometimes scripts can do that. Like sometimes you don't get invested enough in the story because of the writing that it just is like an onslaught of one-liners and it overshadows the the plot. Uh, But you being our film expert, Everyone, I just like to watch movies and talk about them. Um, but Jesse is a diehard film person who like actually pays attention to a lot of film stuff. So from your expert lens, what did you think about the script? Uh, well, expert feels a little generous there, but thank you. Um, I thought it was good. I really appreciate the quick wit, right? I I love a, a, a quick-witted script, right? Yeah. There was some very clever moments um, there were both some written jokes and some just like performative jokes that I really like that just like I felt like were for me as a person mm. um, the Kristen Chenoweth Stonewall Riot hat that she had that was spinning while she gave the award for cis straight man it was yep. there was just like layers and it was perfect I mm-hmm. love Kristen Chenoweth yep. the it, it was so camp oh chef's kiss really for that um, that was one of my favorite moments mm-hmm. um yeah, but then like some of the more performative things when they're on the dance floor and he gets stuck in like the Vogue square that he can't mm-hmm. escape. Oh, mm-hmm. I was just losing it in the theater, right? Like a little tiny ballroom shout out. Like it was uh, such good, such good stuff for me. Uh, yeah, definitely laughing super loud in the theater for those. So yeah, I think the script really excelled here. I think it definitely seemed at certain moments like Billy Eichner wrote it, right? It was a little more in your face um and not in a bad way um but <laughs> you know you, I did feel that a little bit but yes. I loved it I think it's solid solid stuff yeah I think they did a really good job of sticking with the like what we as an audience have come to expect out of rom-coms but I feel like it was almost better so mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies of all time is Legally Blonde like it's just mm-hmm. very classic very tropey and all of that stuff and so I, that is to establish that like, I love a good type of like rom-com movie. Yep. Uh, but oftentimes we see a lot of like gaslighting or a lot of like 
oh, I wish you hadn't done that. Or like, I wish you would just say this, yep. which is Mind designed. Reading. Yeah. Which is designed to like create that internal conflict in the audience member. And I found that this movie for me didn't do a whole bunch of that. Like there was more honest communication that of like, I've done the work on myself. I know where I am. You have not. And that's okay. But like, I know that I am worth someone who's done that work. And like, even just being able to have that type of conversation rather than like his, uh, Aaron wielding his own issues as like a weapon at Bobby, I thought was subtle, but also phenomenal. Like, I'm like, this is the type of rom-com that I'm ready for. Uh, and that I feel like us as a generation have kind of aged into, and it makes you still gives you the same effect as like traditional rom-coms, but isn't feeling so like, I don't know, tropey, I guess is the word I'm going to keep using. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does a good job following that kind of stereotypical rom-com format, right? Like the establishment, falling in love, something happens back together, right? So some of that structure is there and is followed pretty closely, but it does feel like a kind of uh, definitely a queer spin and a fresher spin on it. I think, yeah, your your point about the open communication lines feels pretty present here, right? We see some uh, some talks about monogamy, some uh, foursomes, right? There's a whole bunch of stuff here that y- you wouldn't get from your typical rom-com, right? They shout out, you've got mail, and like, that would be baffling stuff if they tried yes. to have these conversations in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. I also feel like it was very much in line with like who our characters were, because mm-hmm. Deviating again from rom-coms, the main characters were gay men in their 40s or in their very late 30s, which for folks that don't know, gay death is told to happen at 30. So I also liked that the main characters were older than the majority of rom-coms. Like typically they're in their 20s and they're still very young. And I feel like the, the communication or the like design or desire to not lean into toxicity all the time comes also from the age of the main characters yeah yeah I totally agree it was nice to see you know rom-coms where we're not pretending everyone's in their 20s I think it's mm-hmm. nice to see it also for older adults as well yeah which you know is how old these people are so yeah. it's nice to just see it be authentic instead of some you know decade <laughs> difference in the casting or right whatever. which we say older adults but let's be real Jesse we're like a stone's throw away from that and we're very far away from our early Bear. 20s so Bear. yeah Bear, that's probably why we appreciate it yep <laughs> I do kind of want to touch on the marketing a little bit so yeah. I saw tons of trailers for this I know mm-hmm. that in LA there was tons of billboards um so do you think the marketing for this was effective and or uh accurate right do we think that they tried to spin it in any way to get any kind of audience or what do you think You know, I haven't given much thought of it, but I would say I was very appreciative of how much, like how many trailers I did see. Uh, I think, of course, they tried to, like the the one scene I'm thinking of that I saw a lot in the trailer was them fighting before then they started making out in the uh, Sheep's Meadow of Central Park. And I do, I do kind of think that it was very intentional, uh, the clips that they used to make it not necessarily feel like a, a gay movie. So to feel kind of safe um, for certain audience members to attend, like, oh yeah, I found that scene funny. So like, if that's what it's going to be like, then yes, I can definitely do it. Um, but even within that, we could explore why that's problematic. Uh, but yeah, I thought 
what the trailer showed was a good depiction of what we could expect. It was not only the good scenes, like it was just the beginning of the good scenes, but you kind of have a more critical lens on that. So what were your thoughts? I think I partially agree. I think the trailer was probably toned down a Mm. bit, right? I think, um, I just think it was very intentional, I guess. Very intentional. I appreciated how much I saw the trailer, right? Like, as a football fan, I feel like I saw it during NFL games a couple times, right? They're they're getting me on Instagram, all the things. So mm-hmm. I appreciate the studio push for this to try to get to get butts in seats, right? I appreciate that they had enough care about this movie or at least hope about this movie to do that. So I appreciate how much money they spent mm-hmm. on it for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and, it felt slightly intentional in, in what was shown in the trailer. But go on. And in regards to that, I was curious as to why like in this, pandemic age they chose to solely do a theatrical release when I feel like as far as I am concerned like what I've witnessed return to theaters has been slower or like not as I don't know what I'm trying to say it's just been slower like not as many people go to the movies anymore especially because streaming devices now exist and people are doing double releases so theater and streaming so why do you think COVID is also still real so there is you know the risk of that as well yes that's why i said pandemic not post-pandemic because bitches we are in a motherfucking (laughs) pandemic amen Mm -hmm. yes totally i think that that's a great point and i think that honestly streaming will hopefully give this movie a second life um we are recording on sunday the movie just came out on friday and unfortunately Mm -hmm. the box office for this movie has been pretty weak um, box office mojo reported a couple hours ago that we're only at 4.8 million dollars which is pretty low um not just for a rom-com but in general um the studio had predicted somewhere between eight and nine million so if you're listening to this and you haven't seen bros go see bros it's really great um mm-hmm. but i'm hoping streaming will be that kind of second opportunity where a lot of people without that risk will hopefully find it and then you know get on all their socials and and you know start talking about this movie again and how great it is and um, who knows? Maybe Oscar campaign for the song at the end, right? We can all hope for something. <laughs> right. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Speaking of the song, how'd you feel about it? Do you like the song at the end? So again, I feel like I need to go and see the movie again because I also yep. did some drinking this weekend. And so my brain had to be like, what memories can I hold on to? Um, but from what I remember of the song, I did really like it. I thought it was the perfect level of corny and cheesy while also like doing a really good job of calling things back in because if I remember correctly it was like these are things I can't do and and then he was like and this is what you make me want to do and all that stuff so I thought that was super cute uh and I'm a sucker for a grand (laughs) gesture I love my wife but this is not anything she would ever do um not no that's basically the equivalent of proposing to me on the big tv at a sporting event um, but I think that it was really, really cute. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I'm just a tease ball though. Yeah, I I liked the scene. I, I mean, I felt a little of the emotion you're talking about. It did feel a little Shit's Creek to me. Like, a, yeah, mm, where I have I, I seen this before, right? Like, it's very Patrick, mm-hmm. except, you know, in a <laughs> not quite as much of a rom-com mm-hmm. uh, way. But yeah, so... It was good. I I like parts of the song. It's interesting because it's like a comedy ballad, and that's a strange like juxtaposition to me. Um, so I've actually listened to it a couple times on Spotify, and at the start, it's I was on Spotify. Like, you know, oh yeah, it's a oh. real song. 
I wasn't kidding. This could get an Oscar Best Song nomination. Oh, and I think shit. we should start that campaign right now. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Promptly goes to pull up. What is the song called? Um, oh, no. Love okay. is love or love is... Love is not love. Love is not love. Love is not love. That was That's the theme. It. Love is <laughs> yeah. not love. Yep. Which I actually, which then this brings this up for me, really liked. At some point in the movie, Billy Eichler was like, we got to stop saying love is love is love is love because that is not the case. And that is... Yep intentional branding of the queer community to be more digestible to straights because if it's the same as my love then we're not threatening but the whole point of being queer is to throw out that type of ideology and to not assimilate and I feel like in essentially a like pro-assimilation-esque movie in with the ideas of like the identities of the main characters that that is a very like rejecting view and point to make in a movie that's trying to be so mainstream what do you think about that kind of like language being used I think this movie suffers a little bit from being almost a little self-engrandizing in a way right it's very self-aware and I appreciate that but I think sometimes it doesn't totally recognize who it's centering it almost wants to pretend it's centering everyone Mm. as opposed to still just centering you know what we can perceive and are told are middle to upper class white gay men, right? Cisgendered. So that gets tricky, but also like, I don't have all the answers there. I don't know how you find the perfect balance there, right? Because you still have to move your plot along. You still, you know, there are limits to how many characters we can really entertain and keep our movie under two hours. So it's tricky. I think this movie does its best. It's not flawless, mm-hmm. but I think it, it definitely tries. That It reeks of effort, which I do appreciate. <laughs> reeks of effort. That's uh, my I'm life. trying to, to you know, do what effort. you're talking about. Yeah. So then I guess I'm curious, do you think it tried to take on too much? Because I know sometimes that can be a thing for movies where like they take on too much and then they just flop. Do you feel like that's the case with this movie? Oh man, my answer is like, yes and no. I think tell me more. I think to use the LGBTQ history center as mm-hmm. what is either his new main job or side hustle, can't tell if he's a podcaster and does this or what. Um was clearly used so that way they could uh I don't want to say shove queer history down your throat, but like make sure that it's a part of the discussion, mm-hmm. right? Which as someone who studied a lot of queer history like super appreciate but I'm not, it almost felt preachy in, a, in certain parts, um, mm. especially when they did some of those montages of like queer elders and it was all in black and white, but they like literally never explained who any of those people were. And so I, like, I know who a couple, some, some, not all of those people are. So I'm like, oh yeah, great, great, cool. But you know, I, I don't have time to even shout out their names in that and they're not mm-hmm. explored further. So it felt it felt again like it was very effortful and we need to acknowledge that this happened not to mention them being in their 40s right like this is also their history that they want to preserve as well so mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that super answered your question well but I, again it's it's a tough balance of trying to do that right yeah and I I I think personally if we're going to talk about like critiques of this movie I would have loved to see his boardroom um fleshed out more I want to know those characters as people Mm. and not punchlines and unfortunately I think they were 
used as punchlines a lot, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know a lot of those actors from other queer projects. I'm a big T.S. Madison fan. She's Who's a that? regular. Um, she's the uh, Black trans lady. Um, gotcha. I know her from RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, she's a guest judge on there a lot. She used to be on some reality TV. But anyway, I would have liked to see, like, her be a full character, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of just someone who gets six lines to explain to Billy Eichner how he's messing up. And how, like, she as a, as a Black trans woman understands anger um oh absolutely yeah which then okay I'm gonna I have two things to say to this I'm wondering if you feel like this movie maybe would have been more effective if it had been a series or like a show um no I don't think so I I think that there are a solid 20 minutes in there that we could clip out to develop these characters now again Mm. there are still limits i think there are a lot of people in that boardroom and so you would still have some picking and choosing right or you'd have to push your movie longer right you again that balance thing so i don't know i think that it just did a lot of its b characters a bit of a disservice right Mm -hmm. even the brother and the female friend that are used to push them back to each other like we barely know those people and when i was watching those scenes i was like okay plot convenience a little bit here right as we just get the push from them but we don't remember their names right so some of the b character stuff i think could have just been developed a little bit Mm -hmm. more and then also just two comments i want to make uh love me some guillermo i thought it was very interesting that they made him straight and i i was kind of curious about like maybe why that was because he's a big old mo and he's so Um, Yeah, the majority of all the cast and people in production for this are actually queer. They made a huge conscious effort, yeah, to to have a fully queer and queer identifying uh, cast and production. I'm not, I don't know if they hit 100%, but I know there was a huge concerted effort and the majority of all of them are are Mm -hmm. queer folks. Well, that's super cool. Um, I also loved that the bi person, I don't know his, the actor's name, but I loved him on Community and I loved that he was a guy because again, oftentimes we get, by representation uh that is women which like shout out to us by women we're great <laughs> but also by men do exist they yep. are real that is not a phase so i really liked that uh yeah, jim, and then jim rash jim, jim rash, rash? Is the actor. okay mm-hmm. he's so funny uh i also i don't know how he identifies but i also love that he was the bi person because in my mind as like a tv consumer through community i'm like oh no he's so freaking gay and so when they were like he's bi i'm like yes good job uh but then i also just I, wanted to say oh sorry i thought of you when he was being like bye people bye people lincoln was bye i was like brianna is that you girl yes yes <laughs> um yes it is i will always be loud and i will always be proud by people rule um which what i'm about to say is also very something i i like to be loud about i loved the country representation I loved it. Thank you so much for giving me a gay person who loves country. I was like, stop with this country hate. Garth Brooks. <laughs> okay. Yes, maybe not the best choice. No, but like, I thought it was hilarious. No, because he's like pinnacle country. Like pinnacle straight. If, he's my mom's favorite like yes. male country artist. Like I thought it was perfect. And then later they had like the quick Brad Paisley. I was just like, oh, yep. country roots coming out. I loved it. It made my heart so happy because as a, as a queer person, I am typically very alone in my passion for country music. 
And I mean, we could do a whole podcast about deconstructing country music and all of that, (laughs) but I won't digress too much. So yes, thank you for giving me visibility in a mainstream movie. I really appreciated it. Yeah, Uh, even the song. The song is, it's a country song. (laughs) My Carrie, oh my God. It it also, that song made me think of Chance the Rapper doing Hot in Here in a country style for a TV show or for like a game show. I was like, yes, this is amazing. Uh, But yeah, Uh, any any other thoughts from you about the the song or just kind of like what we were just talking about? Um, I guess I do have one thought on that scene with the song okay. and it's why is Luke McFarlane's outfit so terrible why I don't understand so <laughs> I okay but I understand like he like hugs his brother they have that moment he's leaving right he's gonna go to his opening and try to figure things out why would you throw on a weird what looks like leather vest with your red pants and just bebop out the door like I'm not, a, I'm not a fashion expert in fact I have very little taste when it comes to this but even I was like bro this outfit is terrible terrible maybe just leave the vest at home i don't know it was real that day i wore a vest you know i'm trying to pull up this outfit because i don't even know what it looked like um of course i'm terrible at googling so i don't know why i'm doing this but yeah i know that's how you feel and you're entitled (laughs) to your feelings uh i have no real opinion i was not like oh my god this outfit is atrocious that's fair but no i have no other thoughts on the the, the song or anything like that. I did want to maybe shout out some of the queer icons in this movie, right? We mentioned Christian Chenoweth a little bit. Um, huge queer icon, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Messing was a great throwback. I'm oh. a huge Will and Grace fan. Yes, so same. And she was obviously just being Grace, right? Every mannerism or exaggeration she did is like plucked right out of Will and Grace. So pinnacle, it was pinnacle Grace. Yeah, exactly. Pinnacle selfish Grace. <laughs> Um, Bowen Yang was a lot of fun, right? He's always a blast. Um, there's a tiny role, Simone from Drag Race, just getting all my Drag Race references in. Um, and then Harvey Feinstein from Mrs. Doubtfire, who we love, and mm-hmm. you know, another queer icon there. So his voice is iconic. As soon as he opened up his mouth, like I didn't recognize him, but then as soon as I was like, that's oh my God. And if yep. I had not been in a theater, I would have pulled up my IMBD app and been like, that's right. Yep, oh, yes. absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> absolutely <laughs> yeah i started just like hearing his lines from mrs doubtfire while he was on the screen it's mom <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you're so silly i know so that's silly. another great movie though yeah Ugh. um do you have any favorite characters or or who were your favorite characters from this this project i think that's difficult for me to answer because of what we were talking about earlier with the lack of character development of the B characters. So I felt like really the people we had to choose from were Bobby and Aaron. Uh, So I don't know. I don't think any additional characters really stuck out in my mind. But again, when you watch something for the first time, there's just so much to consume. So I almost feel like I need to watch this movie again to really be like, okay, yes. Now I have more opinions on things like that. But I take it you have a favorite person. <laughs> I do. I absolutely do. So um, Bobby has a friend, Henry, played mm-hmm. by mm-hmm. Guy Bronham, who is the bald white guy. Yep. Um, 
and he just he just spoke to me right he was talking about the zellweger app yes that is for people to just we talk about movies and sex. i was like oh is this real can this be real let's make this real yeah this is what i need <laughs> i just yes. want to talk about movies match.com um, this is our pitch to get this app made <laughs> You already have two people. We will not have sex with each other, but we will talk about <laughs> movies on it. Uh, he was just fabulous. And like, he's telling a story later and Bobby's clearly not listening. And he just goes, am I boring you? Right. It's just like every tiny thing he did. I was like, I want to be next to you. This is, mm-hmm. this is gold. And then so. he had sex with roided out Santa. So that was great. <laughs> yeah. Just- <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, well, what else was I doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much. Wait. Sound logic. <laughs> I feel like then leads us into the discussion about the sex that we saw happen. Um, And just, I feel like that personally really made me happy because when there are gay characters and specifically when there are gay men characters in movies that are made, I don't necessarily know if I'd say this movie was made for a straight audience, but I think it was made with a straight audience in mind. And typically when that's done, it, kind of pitter patters or nope, not pitter patters. I meant tiptoes around the fact that gay men have sex and like the types of sex that gay men have. And I liked that we saw the mutual masturbation, the, I need to get my needs met. So I'm just going to be like, sup, sup. Because when I tell you, that's honestly how a lot of my gay guy friends say these conversations start. Um, I thought him trying to take a butt pick and then nicking his ass. I was like, this is so fucking relatable and just so amazing. Um, but yeah, I really appreciated the gamut of types of sex that was shown and in its awkwardness, because not for nothing, even though our leads were stereotypically attractive human beings, even though they tried to make Billy Eichler as like, is it Billy Eichler? Eichner. Eichner. Um, paint him as not being physically attractive. Like, no, bro, you still are. Uh, where was I going with this? Oh, that like even attractive people can have really awkward sex. And I thought that that like just made it more accessible and more relatable. Uh, I have a lot more to say about the sex scene. So I'll let you maybe jump in and put your two cents. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think that it was still used a little bit in comedic ways, right? But it's still part of something that would probably happen in that relationship or is at least very realistic to some relationships. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought it did a great job showing all different kinds. And then later, um, you know, when Luke is down to receive, right? Like it, 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 that is used as such a vulnerable and like intimate thing between the two of them. And I, I really appreciated that as well. Um, I think you said this earlier, but it shows some character growth there, right? So um, yeah, I think that was very realistic. Yeah. And I also think that like, it shows the idea that not all sex that gay men have is penetrative, that mm-hmm. like, that can sometimes be reserved for people that you are partnered with and that it's totally fine for certain sex acts to not be something you do with everybody. Uh, I also liked how they attempted to navigate the conversation of like non-monogamy. I feel like specifically for millennials or maybe Gen Zers, I don't know, I'm a millennial. uh, The quote unquote like cool thing to be is non-monogamous. And like as someone who identifies as non-monogamous, like I think it is great, but I also think that it's not necessarily for everyone. And I think that's okay to not know when you're going into dating somebody and to like be open to trying, which we then saw in that awkward as fuck 
foursome with his childhood best friend, which just, I mean, I will, because I know somebody named that and I thought it was hysterical. (laughs) Uh, Shout out to you. But (laughs) then that random guy throwing himself in the middle but then he oh gets, yeah and like falling on all of them yes, and no one looked at him Steven, <laughs> yes he's like i want a massage and then we get bobby yeah. giving him the massage but then witnessing this guy that he's clearly falling for yep being sexually intimate with somebody else and that brings up not okay feelings for him and then he's like hey that actually wasn't cool for me it doesn't have to be a big thing it can just be a conversation like yep. it's okay and so I really liked that they disparate or they like they sprinkled that into the movie uh, because I don't feel like they needed to. Yeah, I think, again, it's kind of just realistic of more modern relationships, right? Like, as you said, especially for queer folks, I feel like, you know, polyamory is kind of a, a thing. And yeah, it's nice that it's like just talked about in a frank and open and honest way, which I think is how it was done here. Yeah. And that yeah. it didn't have to come from a place of anger. Like, yeah, he wasn't mm-hmm. like. I don't fucking like this. I can't believe I like, I got so fucking jealous. Like, no, it was just, Hey, yeah, he, that really wasn't for me actually. And yeah, then, he took the adult time to process and then conclude and then share with the group. Yep. And it was great. I was like, yes. Uh, and I also think that that was really big for two people that were supposed to be branded as like emotionally unavailable and shut off yeah. uh, because they actively were trying to not engage in the behaviors that had led them to the life that they were currently in. Yep. Agreed. Yeah. Do um, we think this movie wins an awkward dinner award of any kind? I mean, do you have I, thoughts on that? I do. I don't personally feel like it is on the same level as dinner with schmucks. <laughs> sure. That is the most <laughs> awkward movie I think I have ever witnessed. And yes. My, my most awkward movie is I Love You, Man, for sure. Like, without a doubt, it's got to be I Love You, Man. Yeah. I okay. can barely watch that movie. <laughs> uh, no, can never um, watch I Love You, Man over, over Dinner with Schmucks. I don't know if you've seen it recently, but it's... Uh, anyways, I'm digressing. Um, yes. I 100% think it receives Awkward Dinner uh, Award. And I think that that scene was really important. Before I go into like why, I want to see if you have any thoughts because we all know I'm verbose as fuck. So no, no, no. Talk about the why. I think okay. I think we're on the same page. Okay. Uh, so the why for me of like why it was really important was because we knew we needed a conflict in the rom com. Like we've yep. been going great, and we kind of saw some foreshadowing when Bobby was like, "This is why I am the way that I am. This is why I am so loud because I've been told all of my life that who I am." is just too much or is not being done properly, or I'm just too gay to exist. And so he shared that. And then his worst nightmare is what comes true is this person he's really beginning to like, really beginning to have uh, feelings for is then like, Hey, I need you to tone who you are down. I don't know if you've had this conversation, but I've definitely been the recipient of this. I have dated a lot of people that come from very specific backgrounds, typically religious, typically more conservative, like the, like uh, Aaron. And so I too have been told like, hey, let's mind our P's and Q's around our, our family. However, it has not been done the way that this was done. And I think that it was done to create that conflict. Like he could have chosen pretty much any other words than 
I need you to be less of you. He could have yes. been like, hey, my parents, like, I, I hate that I had to ask, but like, can we be mindful of like things that we say? I don't know. It could have just gone a whole bunch of different ways, but it didn't. And it created the conflict. And I think it created the conflict that, as we were talking about earlier, straight people envision when we talk about introducing queerness and transness to children. They think that it is going to be Bobby's experience where there were just, I think he said like seven flaccid penises just in his face at 13. Like he kept repeating how many dicks he saw. And like, he was sitting between his mom and his dad. And like, I was awkward because I also saw knocked up with my father and sat right next to him. And like sex with your parents is just (laughs) awkward for anybody. And so this description is making people so awkward, but that's also, I feel like what a lot of straight people are worried is what we mean when we say talking about gender, talking about sexuality from jump. And I think he took, because he was hurt, he was like, well, let me be these conservative, sheltered folks, worst fucking nightmare, because I'm just going to go big since you told me that I'm being too much. Like you triggered the fuck out of me. So now all bets are off. I'm going to be your parents' worst nightmare. Um, And I think if he hadn't been triggered in that way or activated in that way, because again, I don't know his feelings, what happened at the end of the movie where he's like taking the kids around the, the queer history museum would have been more along the lines of what the conversation was like. It wouldn't have been, let me tell you about the sexual experience that but the sexual play that I went to with my parents. It would have been like, no, let's talk about these icons that have made our lives better because they existed. I think he went with such a dramatic example. Yes, to prove a point. Um, his ultimate point, still totally agree. And I I understand his passion for this issue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, I think there was a less um, almost tantrumy way to communicate a lot of this, right? I think it was, yeah, clearly in response to Aaron asking him, essentially, don't be yourself for a bit, would you? Um, and him essentially you know, this was his way of being like, "Mm, yeah, I'm not going to do that anymore. So I have definitely sat quietly plenty of times and made sure everyone was comfortable. And yeah, at a certain point in your life, especially as you embrace your identities, you get too passionate about them to let that stuff go. So I do understand his um, anger or his more passionate feelings about this in that moment. Um, But yes, I think that's why later when they talk about it and they both apologize, it felt really like, Again, realistic, right? There yes. is, they need to meet in the middle hill here. They, they both made some choices that they could have made differently. Yes, and they both acknowledge it. And I also think like it's important to recognize that like we as humans are constantly modifying how we show up into spaces. And so in my opinion, it is completely reasonable, excuse me, to show up in a space and be a little bit toned down. It's like, if I was going to work, would I wear what I would wear if I was going out to a party with my queer friends. No, like I change how I present myself. I change the topics that I talk about because of who I'm around. So I do think that that is a reasonable expectation that people are very capable of making. And I think that this was just done in a way that was very hurtful. And so when they acknowledge it, it is, it is lovely because I feel like in most rom-coms or traditional rom-coms, you don't necessarily get that acknowledgement. You just get the, oh my God, I'm so glad you came back. 
And oh yeah, it's just like a dramatic kiss somewhere instead of any conversation about what got you to this place. Right, yeah. right. Uh, <laughs> I also was really like my little heart that loves rom-coms when uh, <laughs> Bobby was like, I still can't trust you. So no, I was like, no. <laughs> but then I was also like, but this is a really real response. Like you can take accountability for your actions and it's still not fix everything. People are still entitled to their feelings and to not want you in their lives. And that's okay. And I liked that it wasn't just this quick resolve that like, essentially Aaron had to look at himself and see how he was genuinely hating his life and make changes to not become such a like toxic person in that way, to be a person that was worth being loved by Bobby. Yeah, I, I think for Luke's character, it also made some sense to me that maybe a lot of this stuff had just never been examined. Like, I think it's established early that, you know, he's called boring and he's not really boring or, or stupid. He just kind of stays in his lane in a way that makes his, him comfortable. Mm-hmm. So to me, it was a little bit like, oh, hey, maybe it's time to examine some of this stuff, which I'm sure it's been really comfortable not to. But, you know, perhaps uh, if this means anything to you, it's time to examine them. And I think as you're saying this, like the, the word comfort and the theme of comfort for me came up a lot within this movie. Like it was about pushing the, the character's boundaries of like exploring vulnerability, exploring vulnerability with each other, especially coming from an insecure place on Bobby's end of like, I'm not nearly as attractive as you are. So clearly you are always going to not like me. You're always going to like other people. Uh, but then also like the level of comfort that attendees of the movie had and it being pushed with some of the scenes with some of the like unapologetic queerness that was at times in this film yeah I totally agree one day I'm going to say something that you're not going to agree with and I'm like oh do tell (laughs) I mean I have done some partial agreeing for what it's (laughs) worth right (laughs) we've had some slightly different takes on stuff Uh uh-huh I guess we should probably mention the testosterone of it all. Yes. Um, I did not particularly love this, but I am not using testosterone in a bro way, but more as a, you know, casual trans man kind of way. So, yeah, yeah. So I at first was like, like my first beat was like, oh, he's trans, but they had literally just been a sex scene. And I was like, oh, wait, no, that probably would have come up five seconds ago. So, okay, he's just, okay, is it steroids? No, it's testosterone, but he's, because he's a bodybuilder. So that part was a little weird for me. Yes. And I would say it also kind of like caught me off guard, but as someone who is married to somebody who weightlifts, I dismissed it more as like a, yes, this is something that people do when they like want to maintain physical peakness. And are really into the aesthetics, which then I also feel like kind of touched in or on some of the things that might happen in the gay community or gay man community. And like, we could always dissect that more, but oftentimes it is very aesthetic based. And like, we've seen that with the critiques of dating apps and like what is portrayed in these movies. So it didn't make it, to me, it made sense because this is a guy who, to a certain extent, I got like, 
almost gay shame. Like he needed to be the epitome of a man and then also be gay. And so by doing that, you need to maintain a great body. He's also not 20. And so to me, it just made sense that like he would be using some type of body enhancing drug. But I do think that that kind of asked audience to have an understanding about that, that maybe not all people would. Yeah. In some ways it felt to me like, well, we can't have a bro movie without steroids. And I was just like, "Eh, but you totally could have. But again, that's just me. uh, My person. I then think I want to bring this part up when uh, Bobby, I don't know why I keep not remembering their names, but it's why his actual name is Billy, but his character is Bobby. So that's why. no, no, because I don't, I didn't even actually remember the, the real actor's okay. name, but well, I anyways. tried to cut you some slack there. You did. you did. And I'm just like, nope, I'm laying on this. Nope. I'm just dumb. Yep. Basically, <laughs> fuck you. But basically, um, what was I going to say? Oh, the scene where Bobby starts doing the steroids or starts doing the testosterone mm-hmm. and then goes to the gym, intentionally drops his voice hooks up with this like super yeah. muscly man and then like raises his voice and the guy is like what the fuck <laughs> and it very I loved the other guy's response where he's like no you needed you need to get out it gave me very much like that like nope I'm not I'm I'm not dealing with this you could be a serial killer like absolutely not yeah yep. and I I just me me and Aquila absolutely loved it I thought it was very very funny um I love that he had a Barbra Streisand poster yes. earlier when the guy was like, I want to leave my money to share. Like there's a long pause. And like in my seat, I was like, Barbra Streisand. He's definitely going to say Barbra Streisand. And then he said share. And I was like, dang it. So close. And right. then when she came up later, I was like, yes, she's still in the movie. I knew yes. it. Knew I felt those Babs vibes. <laughs> yes. And I also think that that was a moment of calling people out on their assumptions. Like Bobby yes. changed who he was because he saw somebody lifting weights and was like, no, this guy's going to want to fuck a bro because that's what people who lift weights want to do. So I'm going to act really fucking bro And then the guy was a Barbra Streisand fan. Like people are multidimensional. And you are projecting your insecurities onto these people without their permission and without getting to know them. Yep, absolutely. Not looking at them as multifaceted humans, but just one exaggeration of one stereotype. Totally. I agree. I think that's exactly why it was there. But it also made me personally feel like I wasn't wrong about my Barbra Streisand shout out. Oh, yeah. Everyone (laughs) loved it. Loved it. Yeah. And Cher. Like, this is no knock on Cher. Also a big Cher fan. Anything else you want to say about bros? Um, I'm definitely going to go see it again. It gave me similar, not similar vibes, but like my response to it reminded me very much of my response to date night, uh, with mother effer. What is her name? Tina Fey? Um, no. Rachel McAdams? No. They all blur together. Date night. No. Okay. So, okay. This is my fault. Cause it's definitely not date night because you're right. But Issa Rae <laughs> is who I'm talking about. And it was a movie that came out just as the pandemic was starting. Lovebirds. Um, Love gotcha. Okay. Cool, cool, cool. Not date night. But yeah. that movie <laughs> is a movie that is like a, a rom-com that I can watch a million times and just find it so fucking funny because the one-liners, the comedic timing is just banter. priceless. Yes. Yeah. And like, I think they had a little bit more chemistry than Bobby and Aaron had in this movie. Oh my gosh. So much more. So much more. <laughs> so but. Much more. I bring that movie up to say this is one of those movies that made me laugh like that movie. So I definitely will be watching it more than once. And I feel like my appreciation for it will just grow rather than being like, oh, okay. Oh, same. I think, yeah. I think the more I watch this, the more I'll appreciate it. I think 
honestly, there's a chance that it becomes a regularly quoted thing in my life, right? That's definitely possible. Um, Yeah, like we said earlier, I really hope that streaming gives it some kind of second life. I'm not sure if it's been announced where it's going to be streaming, but hopefully uh, one of the one of the bigger streamers and a lot of people can see it after. Cause I would like, I would love a second life for this third life, fourth life, whatever. Yeah. I think it's, it's great stuff. And I want to see more, more queer rom-coms. I'm, I'm here for some queer rom-coms. Which I guess then begs the question, do you think that we are going to start seeing more mainstream release movies of, of queerness and like maybe even more diverse queerness? Or do you think if this bombs that that will then be used as evidence as to why this is not a thing? Yeah, so that's my huge fear with this, right? Like, I I have personally, like, texted multiple people, this movie rocks, please go see it in the theater, like, trying to, like, you know, single-handedly fix that box office, because it does break my heart a little that it's got such a weak box office. I'm hoping word of mouth really pushes the second weekend, um, but I'm not sure that it's the uh, game changer that I was hoping for, because... You know, if this had exceeded predictions, which are like eight or nine million, and you know, if we had seen 12, 13 box office, I think the studio's takeaway would have been something along the lines of like, okay, this is a money maker, let's do it, which opens that door for us. Stupid capitalism. I know. It just keeps getting in the way, which is why I'm hoping that Twitter will do its thing once it's on streaming and gift the crap out of this and everyone will be like, oh, what's this from? And then you know, hopefully wherever it lands will understand it's valuable and the studio will keep making these. So I'm hoping that's what happened with Fire Island on Hulu, right? Um, but I'm here for all the queer rom-coms. I'm honestly here for all the queer content, no matter what it is. So yeah. lay it on me. And I mean, not for nothing, not to, I'm bringing up Moonlight because Moonlight was also a queer movie that was released theatrically and had characters that a lot of the audience that movies are typically made for can't relate to. And it's opening weekend was $402,000 and the production budget was 1.5 million. So, and it went on to win an Oscar. I'm not saying that this movie is going to go on to win an Oscar, but I'm saying like it had small release and then it kept growing because word of mouth and because people were like, oh, what is this little tiny engine that could? So we queers are powerful. Absolutely. I think- the one big difference that I would want to point out a little is that it's yeah. hard to say that a movie from a studio this large is the little engine that could. No. Nope. However, I, okay, cool. You, you do you. I just, <laughs> that's my one, like, Ooh, a little bit different, right? Like Moonlight was kind of an indie machine, right? Really got fostered, you know, through that, that very different structure, but your point is still valid here. I do hope that that word of mouth and that power can, can really give it the push we want. I, you know, I'm obsessed with the Oscars, right? So I'm I'm not kidding when I say song nomination for this movie. Like, let's get bros on the map. I think songs are best chance. So <laughs> let, let's let's do this. Because <laughs> it sure should ain't acting. Let's be real. No, oh no. Like I loved everyone in this movie, but there were some scenes. Some uh, scenes. There were some scenes. Yep. Uh, okay. All right. Any final thoughts on bros? I'm <laughs> um, probably gonna go see it again on Tuesday when I get five dollar movies because I enjoyed it. Perfect. I love that. If I have some downtime Phoenix next week, maybe I'll do the same thing. We'll see. I love it. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, it's great talking to you. Same. And uh, stay tuned for our next media thing that we decide to do. Uh, We are not limiting ourselves to movies. We are going to go the gamut between TV shows, probably shorts. Jesse, like Jesse said, 
he's an Oscar fanatic. So he loves <laughs> everything that's movies related. So more to come for sure. And thanks for taking this journey with us. Yeah. Awesome. We'll talk to you soon. Okay.